Welcome back to the Waffle Press Podcast. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me is my other host, Gina Versa. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm a little tired, but I'm, I'm good. I'm good. And with us today is our correspondent from Sundance. I get to, to phrase it all fancy like that right now. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Salazar. Hello. <laughs> how are you, my friend? Hello. I am actually still here in Utah, live. I am freezing. The festival <laughs> has been done for over a week, but... <laughs> Uh, to record this, I had to stay here on site because I am that dedicated. Is he like uh, Jack Nicholson in The Shining? You just frozen? You just stuck yes, there? I'm, I'm here. I'm here in the middle of the street. There's still <laughs> people are staring at me like I'm weird. I'm not <laughs> I'm also because I'm not Mormon, so they're like, "What is this guy doing here?" I'm infiltrating, but. Uh, well, you guys, you guys are just chilling with all the Mormons now. Yeah, I was gonna say. Okay, look, I'm, I have to say this. I've never <laughs> been. Okay, look, I've okay. never been to Utah ever, okay. and I feel like a lot of like people on the West Coast and the East Coast, um, we we have this idea of Utah through pop culture, like Book of Mormon, etc. We just know that Mormons live there, but when you go to Utah, like the moment like you step off the plane and you're like in a Salt Lake uh, International Airport. Mm-hmm. It's not a joke anymore because, and I mean no disrespect whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, but uh-huh. they, it's you can't it's you can't turn a, a left or right without running into someone. It's like really, it's it's kind of like astounding. Like it's and they're like everywhere, <laughs> and like because of because we're at Sundance, like uh, you can take buses for free, but we're also Ubering. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of our Uber drivers, they were like casually like. Or are you guys Mormon? Because I'm Mormon. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like, it's like you can't escape it. Like Did the they... subject is is gonna come up like every single day, a few times a day. So just get ready well, to talk about uh, the Church of Latter Day Saints whenever you go to Utah. No, did they ask you about Joseph Smith? Or no? no, but there's a lot of statues and there's a lot of stuff mm. about. I mean, I'm not very knowledgeable on the religion, but yeah. there's like, you know, statues everywhere and stuff like that. But I was minding my own business. I was being respectful. Yeah, I was that's good. Like, that's good. I was kind of stunned of how like prevalent it was because I was just so unaware. Because my only exposure was like, you know, what we see on TV and what they talk right. about. But it is yeah. extremely prevalent. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the rest of that, uh, plugs. What are you? What are you guys working on lately? What's What's new, uh, Andrew? You You can go actually after you heathen. No, uh, we're going to hear a lot about Sundance from you. But uh, Gene, what do you want to highlight? What's What's going on in your life, really quick? Uh, right now we're uh, prepping Vera. You guys are both working on it. Yeah. Um, I've sent you both. Our, excuse me, Diego. Uh, me and you have finished the final shooting script. I'm uh, tired. Yeah, we're both tired of of the movie, and right now we're just finishing casting on it, and we have some concept art. Hopefully, get to post that soon of the final designs of the of the uh, the character Vera, and we're just gonna we're working on the costume and trying to get that done this month. So it's a heavy pre-pro. Yeah, uh, really quick. We're also starting the Batman retrospective soon starting in march so get ready to check that out and at the time of this recording there's still the halloween 2018 giveaway just go to yes. my twitter and retweet um the episode the, the final podcast episode of the halloween retrospective 
for a chance to win a digital code of Halloween 2018. Uh, it's a good movie, and I think a very good podcast episode. I'm very proud of it. So yeah, I was go, go check out all that. I was listening, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And yeah. also, head over to the Patreon, because you can support our show. And also, if you donate like $15, then we'll talk about a movie that you want us to talk about. Mm-hmm. For the price of a movie, you get a movie, kind of, from oh, my perspective and someone else's. Yeah, yeah. So g- give us money. It would be cool to do this like, yeah. for a living. <laughs> so, you know, whatever have yous. All right, back to Andrew. Tell me about your life. How, how was Sundance apart from the Mormons? Let's, let's hear everything. What, what happened? Your experience? Velvet buzzsaw? Question mark? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I want to say this right off the bat, and it's going to sound like it was planned, but I swear like to God, like ideally, but I saw 18 movies within the span of like seven days. And that's really, really hard. Like I can't tell you how difficult it is. I mean, you're just sitting on your butt most of the day, but these theaters, like the, the amount of leg room changes each time. And like, you really can't stretch. So it's difficult. And I think (laughs) I only got really sleepy to like one. And I think that's a testament to how good the movies I saw, that they kept me up. But yeah. it hit me after Sundance was over that out of the 18 movies I saw, them were directed by women. And even uh, the films that were directed by like white males, no, like, no offense, but um, they had very diverse casts regardless. Mm-hmm. So I felt like this year, and I spoke to people that went to Sundance uh, last year, but they said this year there was like a major like boost and like representation, and I think that should be highlighted. And like like I said, like I planned my movies based on my interests and like stuff I wanted to see. I had very little of what uh, the cast and crew, etc. Because I'm going in blind to a lot of yeah. these movies, but I was very excited that the manners of what I saw so many saw so many different voices from all over the world, and I think. I couldn't have gotten that experience anywhere else. So I just want to say that was really dope. Unexpected. Hopefully next year, the fans even further. Uh, I think that's something to look forward to. But out of the 18 movies I saw, I got to talk about three. And these three movies uh, all had very, very different reactions. And I saw them in uh, full crowds. Uh, the first one should make for like a very interesting story of, I, th- I, I guess it premiered in last year, and it just was making festival this year. But Jennifer uh, made a new movie, Mangale. Now, when I was choosing my movies, I was looking at the descriptions, like, oh, it sounds interesting. And this description, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it kind of sounded like Kill Bill, but as a period piece. So I was like, okay, I, I can, I, I'm down with that. I'll see what it is. And uh, I, I have not seen The Babadook. A lot of people love The Babadook. Mm. And I saw that Jennifer Kent's name was attached. And I was like, okay. Uh, a lot of my friends like this movie. She's an upcoming uh, you know, female director. This sounds dope. Uh, very interesting enough, we got to the theater. I was like, I did at the door. And <laughs> like, I'm 22. And I understand yeah. that. And I, I'm short. Uh, I have like a baby face. I don't, I know I don't look 22. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, I kind of like, Shrugged it off. I was like, oh, this is funny. I haven't been carded for like a radar movie in like years. 
So well, I don't know. I, I did, and the lady was like, "Uh, you know, this movie's very mature, so we're taking <sighs> ideas for everyone." Like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, to the movie, something happens, and I've seen. I want to say from that, I've seen plenty and plenty of graphic films. I've seen uh, the Human Centipede movies, which are stupid, but I've seen them. Mm-hmm. I've seen like I've gone down like the list of like top ten worst films you can sit through, etc. <laughs> like audition. Audition's very good though. I've seen audition. I've even seen the very notorious, the very stupid uh, a Serbian film. Um, oh god. It's yeah. like I can I feel like I built um a stomach in a kind of like a vulnerability to graphic stuff. I'm not saying that I'm not affected, but like I'm not I'm not gonna turn it off. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna if I was in a movie theater, I wouldn't walk out. I've never walked out of a movie theater my entire life. I'm not that type of person. Mm-hmm. But, so five minutes into the movie, something happens. I was like, okay, you know what? This isn't the most... It's The contents of the scene are terrible, but the way it's filmed is not super you know, violent. So I was like, okay, whatever. 20 minutes later, I'm not even kidding. It has to be like the worst like scene I've seen in like a movie theater my entire life. Oh my god! And I'm not saying this to add like shock value to the podcast, etc. But it is genuinely one of the most horrific and heartbreaking things I've ever seen in a movie theater. And by the end of that scene, people were just walking up. Good right? lord! Jeez. The movie is the movie is two hours long, and mm-hmm. it just even after that very specific haunting, very long to scene stuff just terrible stuff keeps on happening and like it just keeps escalating and people just kept walking out the movie's two hours long and yeah. people were even walking out until like five minutes before it was over Shh. and i'm like if i hit like dude like if you stayed this long <laughs> might as well just just <laughs> just wait to watch it to the end yeah wasn't and there like half a theater left yes well, and like wow. people were probably like wondering to, to give you guys like an idea it's about uh an Irish endangered servant in Tasmania in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Tasmania is the island off of Australia. And the movie tackles the misogyny, uh, the abuse uh, directed at not only the endangered servants, but at the indigenous uh, Tasmanians that lived on the island. Because like in the colonization, very terrible. Uh, it tackles all these subjects in one two hour long movie. And it's just so heartbreaking. It's so mm-hmm. daunting. It's it takes the energy out of you. Even like after the movie was over, like throughout the rest of Sundance, I overheard people having conversations next to me. It's like, oh, did you see that movie, The Nightingale? And like I was hearing a great like variation of reactions. Someone said, I loved it. Someone said, I it was too violent for me. I hated it. It's it was Pretty, I mean, to be in that moment is amazing to hear all these things from people around you, but I completely understand. I think, personally, the movie could have only been made by a female director, specifically because all this violence, and this goes back to, like, you know, violence in film is too, it's, you know, it's too, it's too commercial, etc. Yeah. The movie, the movie is not violent for shock value. The movie is not violent to try to get you uh, to get a reaction out of you. The movie is violent in the same ways that a movie about 
slavery would be violent. If you watch a movie about this topic, naturally things are going to be very violent because that's how it was. Yeah. Like, plain and simple. It's not going to sugarcoat a very important topic. And as the movie was going on, like I was tired. I was like, wow. I just kept telling myself, the worst things are going to happen. I should not be happy. And the worst things, they keep on happening. <laughs> and I realized halfway through, you know what? I understand. This is coming from, uh, I, I can only assume that Jennifer Kent made this movie in like some kind of response to the Me Too movement. She's tired of like the white man <laughs> because the white man, by the end of this movie, you will clear the white man is sexist. The white man is evil. Mm-hmm. The white man is racist. <laughs> and you know what? I was down for that. That's a good message, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah, all true. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's accurate. It's very accurate of our actual world. So very, I, I will say the movie is very powerful. All my friends thought it was very powerful, but I will say it's not for everyone. When I say this movie has to be the hardest sit down I've ever had, I'm not over exaggerating. Yeah, it is very hard to watch. And I think it's a testament. It's very hard to watch, and there's barely any nudity in the movie. Oh, okay. So it's just the way things are filmed, the contents of like the story. It's like the, very heartbreaking. The intensity of the storytelling. Yes, yes. Yeah, like the vibe that it, they put out, and it, yeah. It's not like all these other movies that you learn like in film history. It's literally like this is like the type of stuff that would happen in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And even though it's in the same vein as Kill Bill, it's not a glorified. It doesn't take it. Uh, it's not under like a Hollywood light because in Kill Bill, you'll get like the female offer revenge, and like she kills the villain in the end. This is like similar, but it's not Hollywood ending. This is like this is a very realistic. It stays mm-hmm. true to the timepiece, and I think if you stay till the end, you'll get. Uh, all the, those two hours just pass by won't go to waste. Like you'll get it, but I'm just saying, if you are not down to see some of this stuff, you're not gonna like this movie at all. <laughs> you're you're gonna be mad. A lot of people are gonna be upset watching this. It's gonna you, offend a lot of people. Yeah. Do you hope like there? I mean, you know, it seems like you know it's a very accurate movie, but like, would you hope was because it doesn't seem like there was any disclaimer or anything? Would you hope that there would be one? Yes. Yeah. And it's like I said, it's it's strange because. The movie is, it doesn't have a lot of nudity. There's like a little bit, but it's not like over exaggerated. Yeah. But I think there should be because it's like if you were to watch like uh, like Roots on TV, there would be a disclaimer, right? Yeah. Because the content is very mature. Mm-hmm. I, I think this kind of pushes R a little bit, mm. but just because it's just so, so like heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And like true, but I feel like the, the what was saved it from being NC seventeen was uh the nudity. There's barely nudity. I think it's a testament because it goes to show you don't need to have like a lot of nudity just to sh- to get like this type of message across. Like I say, uh, kudos to Jennifer Kent because she, I think she really pulled off something very powerful. But with you know with this kind of power, not everyone's gonna be able to take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh. Oh, funny thing. Uh, someone had a seizure during the screening, too. Or I don't know uh, about funny. <laughs> okay, uh, no offense. Okay. Like I said, people kept walking out. And, you know, people talk about on social media, oh, I was at so-and-so festival and had walkouts. I, I feel cool to be in that room to finally see what people talk about because 
is usually like older individuals and they'll just storm out the theater and you're just kind of like well what did you expect they didn't you like read the description but anyways there was a very uh, bloody scene during in the middle of the movie and i didn't think it was like really really bad but there it's just very intense like we're talking about it's not so much that there's blood spewing everywhere but it's just very 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 intense and um someone screamed like oh, turn on the lights and right away like one of my friends told me it's like they thought that there was like a shooter because you oh, know today sure. and today's yeah. day and age is like oh, one God. of the first things that comes through our heads yeah. but i guess i was just so like into the movie that, that never crossed my head that someone like ended up having a seizure Holy and God. it was specifically right after this intense moment mm-hmm. but uh good job on sundance because they turned the lights on right away they stopped the movie right away uh, they got people on site, and I went on Twitter after, and I guess it was this uh, middle-aged guy who he uh, he was epileptic. He was prone to seizures, but good on him because he like had a seizure. He got the help, and he he stayed in the theater and he finished the movie. Whoa! So, like, oh, wow. yeah. I didn't know that. According to Twitter, what people were talking about in like a and apparently uh, someone asked him because he was like a pretty chill guy, but yeah, he finished even he. I mean, even this man had a seizure, and he was like, "I gotta finish this movie." <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Well, that's, I think that's a testament. Just yeah, take that. Just take a, that. He's take a true that. film lover, dude. Well, I, you know, <laughs> yep. I hope he recovers and all that too. Poor guy. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, like well, apparently he was fine. Okay. Out, you said it was fine. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know if he has a history of it. Maybe he's experienced it before or something. Just imagine, that's, like that's once said. the movie was over, yeah. he was like, "Yeah, it was okay." <laughs> Yeah. Like, I didn't like the third act. Right. <laughs> I was gonna add. Well, I was uh, just gonna say kudos to the Egyptian theater staff and the Sundance staff. The Egyptian oh. theater is where it's held, correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, yeah. Good. Oh, this wasn't at the Egyptian. This was at a, another one, like further down the street. Oh, but, gotcha, gotcha. But like kidding. the staff in general, they're all very on point, all very willing to help. That is very kudos to them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, another movie that I think is going to have people talking about, in my opinion, is Honey Boy. Mm. And for those unfamiliar, this is the project Shia LaBeouf wrote when he was in rehab. Okay. Uh, uh, most recently, most recently, when he was most recently in rehab. Okay. And mm. it's basically about, it's, there's a, I feel like there's like a new interesting like subgenre of like autobi- auto, autobiographical film. That it's about you, but it's not really about you. Mm-hmm. Like Roma is about Alfonso is a uh, upbringing, but he's not in the movie. Yeah, you know. Um, but this one isn't is is kind of in that same vein where it's it's basically about Shia LaBeouf, but it's not Shia LaBeouf that he wrote about himself, mm-hmm. and he plays his dad. He plays uh, his father. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I read about that. And it's like the ultimate form of therapy. And like, honestly, like I grew up watching even Stevens on Disney channel. I grew up uh, when Shia LaBeouf first blew up with the transformer series. So like he was, yep. Yep. He was like <laughs> top of the game. And I feel like because of that, I had like a very sentimental uh, connection to this film because it's very, very beautiful. Ooh. It's a, uh, it's directed by a uh, Israeli, uh, director Alma Harrell, and I don't. She hasn't done a lot of films, but apparently Shia was like such a big fan of hers 
that he like sent uh sent her his, his screenplay. It's like you, you're gonna do this movie. Like there's no one else that's gonna do this movie but you. Wow. And it stars uh, it stars what's his name Noah Jupe. He was in a Quiet Place. He's one of the he's the main son in that yeah. film, and good. he plays. Uh, so the movie goes, it's 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 literally about Shia LaBeouf, like the same character, like the same like characteristics and the same like uh, real facts are about like are actually from his life, but it's just not his name. Uh, he plays Shia when he was younger, and uh, Shia plays like his father, and Lucas Hedges plays an older version of the of the same person and i think it's a very coming from shy specifically it's a very uh, personal and like dark look into like how actors how young actors especially can get treated in hollywood and how they get yeah. cast aside and how like they just keep bouncing back from like project to project and how like they can uh, dive into like narcotics mm-hmm. and how all of that can be like rooted with like a personal like demons that are like never addressed but like who would have thought that honestly like i'm not even kidding throughout the entire movie like the theater the pack theater and again tessa thompson was in my theater too funny enough um oh wow yeah she walked in with kirsty clemens and that, that what else are you gonna see that that was pretty cool yeah. but throughout the entire like screening like you just heard people like like sniffling like like you heard people like crying like you heard like it was is a very like I'm not saying just as a fan of like Shia that like I like the movie like the people legitimately were like um like pretty much like crying really uh like loud for like a lot of a lot of the movie um, and I feel like it might go might be underestimated because it is Shia and he does have like this negative I'm not saying Shia is perfect I'm just right. saying that when people think about him they think of like maybe like he's kind of like a joke or they kind of think like a they kind of, they might think of memes, mm-hmm. but this is like the very definition of like personal autobi- autobiographical, like no no limits, no filters. And I think if you if you follow this actor for such a long time, this will like really open your eyes because you do see how it is like. And it's funny enough because like the first like thirty seconds feels like like massive shade. I like the Transformers movies. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like not, yeah, but not in a very cliche, not in a very corny. It's like when you watch it, you're like, damn, like Chaya really had to be doing that for like three goddamn movies under my COVID. Like that doesn't sound like fun. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like uh, if you if you give it a chance, you're gonna you're not gonna regret it. Is he is saying something? Like he is talking about something. And interesting enough, like he showed up after the movie for a Q and A, and someone asked him a question, and he didn't even ask a question. Like he used this question, like just tell them something. But usually during Q and As, that could be like I could go either really really bad or like or really really good. <laughs> yeah. And he said because Shia, again, Shia plays his own dad, right? Yes. So he's talking to Shia, and he goes, "Yeah, during the movie, you say a certain line." to uh, so-and-so over and over. And I just want to tell you that my dad would say the exact same phrase to me. Oh, and he, he was like fighting back tears when he was saying this, right? Mm. And and I just want to say that the way it just hit home because I've never seen something more real and relating to my own father. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just like to see that, I, I was kind of like a loss for words. 
Yeah. Because you don't you don't get that kind of experience like every day, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like I will say the screenplay is very, very strong and I'm pretty sure Shia had some kind of help from somebody. Because for this to be like your first one of your first screenplays, I don't you're either like you either have like some hidden talent under your fingers or you had some really good people come in like a script doctor that's great. But I'm just saying Oh, and FK Twigs is in the movie too, so like, why wouldn't you see that anyway? Yeah. That's like all like uh, those are those add to success only. Yeah, and I feel okay. One more movie because I feel like this one's really like gonna have people talking, mm. at least specific people. Um, I I had no idea like this movie was like even a thing, even before like researching in Ascendance, but it's called Little Monsters. And it's Ooh. from Australia, but it stars Lupita Nyong'o. Hmm, okay. And it's, it's like I have never seen. I've read, okay, I've seen a few movies that like when you watch it right away in that same viewing, you're like cult classic, right away without question. You're like cult classic. A uh, Mad Max Fury Road classic, cult classic. People are gonna like like a certain specific crowd is gonna latch onto this so hard, and they're gonna love it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm all for that. Watching this movie. Again, I'm not over-exaggerating because I'm describing my experience, but a lot of my theater, full theater, laugh out, out <laughs> loud like, to the max Jeez. a majority of the way. And a piece of me was like, man, these people at Sundance, they, they're really like, react. they really love to react because I really, I'm really in movie theaters where people are like knee slapping and giving each other high fives. Like, I don't know what it is. Maybe <laughs> it's, it's like con not. or something. I don't know, but like these people really like. I like the movie, but imagine. Uh, I can't really explain it. Lupita Nyong'o is a kindergarten teacher who must protect a group of children, kindergartners, who are on a field trip that just happens to cross paths with the zombie infection. Oh, hmm. And it's a dark comedy. Okay. But there's plenty of zombie effects. Lupita Nyong'o has to save children by playing the ukulele. Well, that I did not know. <laughs> I, I had heard about this one a little while ago, and I got very excited, but I, the ukulele thing just threw me for a loop. So, No, it makes sense when you watch the movie. It's not stupid. Like, a lot of this movie <laughs> sounds stupid, and a lot of it knows it's stupid. But when you watch it, you're like, wow, this is so stupid, it's good. Like, it reminded me a lot of... Uh, Adam McKay's like earlier earlier works like Anchorman, mm-hmm. uh, like where like they're just so stupid, and you know what you're watching is really dumb, but you know you just can't get enough of it. This is exactly what that is. It's a smart kind of stupid. It, it's stupid done smart. Right. It's, yeah, basically. No, well, there's plenty of witty like comedy. It's not purely uh, for for dumb laughs, mm. but it's also very like very very raunchy. Like more than a like more than a movie with children should be probably. And that probably might like you know offend like a few people, but it it totally works. It's from an Australian director, Abe Forsyth. Uh, Josh Gad's in it, and like, look, I'm, I don't really care for like Josh Gad. Like, Olaf is cool and everything. Uh, <laughs> he would make he a cool penguin. Yeah, but like, I'm not even kidding. He's probably like he almost steals the movie. Ooh. And. You wouldn't think Josh Gad would be really good at stealing movies, but when he's giving material that's unlike he, you've ever seen him in, and he's just like balls out, 
I go, all right, I'm going to do a line of coke and I'm going to go on set. It's really oh my God. fun. <laughs> what? Jesus. You God. almost feel like it. You almost feel like that's what he's doing. But it's like, you're not going to see that anywhere else. And it's almost kind of meta because the character he, I'm not going to spoil, but the character he plays is um, he's a TV child personality. So kind of like Mr. Rogers and how he fits in the story of a zombie invasion should not work whatsoever, but it does. And the fact that it's rated R and that he can do like all of this stuff that you like he can't do like in a Disney movie, you know, it, it's just totally it, it works. I don't know why it does, but it does. And when it there's parts when it goes full like can be zombie movie and like we don't get enough of those now. I feel like the last one was like was it zombie? I I think I, so. I feel oh, like you know might. what? Uh, there was a little Australia. I don't know what it is. Australia's killing it. Um. Wormwood, Road of the Dead. Ooh. That, oh, that, okay. It's a, a small little $100,000 movie that was really, really good. <laughs> yeah, everyone check out Wormwood if you get the chance. It's, it used to be on Netflix. Uh, it rules. But yeah, like, I feel like all the zombies, like, I'm not, again, more zombies movies, the better, but like, they're all very serious, and I don't mind that, but there's like, when was the last time there was like a really good campy, like, just for fun, you know, like, Hold no punches, like zombie, like movie. That's not Shaun of the Dead. That's mm-hmm. not Zombie Land. You know, because that's all we got. Right. I feel like this one very, very fits well. It sits, it sits nextly next to those two, with it, with it totally being its very own thing. And like I said, I mean, I mean, I'm, I like that really stupid stuff. It's not that hard to make me laugh. Like I said, I'll laugh. I watch Anchorman, and I'll just laugh at like the most like corny, like <laughs> so stupid <laughs> jokes. And this it has plenty of that, but like, like I caught myself laughing really like hard for a few times. I was like, wow, I don't really react this way to comedies a lot, so I'm I'm definitely gonna give that a rewatch. And I believe it got purchased by Hulu and an other company I can't remember right now. I guess I have to buy Hulu that. now. I don't. I hope it doesn't go to streaming right away. I hope there's some kind of like theatrical release because it's very much a theater experience. Mm-hmm. But like, who knows? Maybe that it's on Hulu. More people around the world will get to see it. Oh no, never mind. Hulu's only in the U.S. right now. But <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I forget. I use that argument for like Netflix all the time. But I, I forgot. I forget Hulu's only in the U.S. Well, who knows? But like, if you can see the movie somehow, go out of your way, save yourself like an hour thirty minutes. It's gonna be worth your time. Okay. Oh, yeah. Thanks for sharing all those. Yeah, uh, um, well, sorry, really quick. Did you see the uh, Satanic Temple movie about Hales? Oh, okay. Really quick, really quick. <laughs> okay, really quick. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. There's this documentary I saw called Hail Satan with a question mark. So it's like Hail Satan? That's how you say the name. Um, and it's basically about the modern Satanic Temple. And it's not like a typical, like, you're on the Discovery Channel. Here's a history of Satanism. It's not like that. It's actually very much you get to know the people who started the temple and you get to know like why they did it. And you get to know uh, there's like interviews with uh, members of the temple from like all across the United States. And it's really legitimately a very insightful, eye opening experience because like, again, these these people, uh, you should know that there's two satanic uh, church, like uh, they're not cults, like official religions. 
One is on Twitter and is verified, and it's probably the one that people know the most. And I think it's called the Satanic Church, and it's verified. And that one is the original religion that was founded, like, in the 70s during, like, the, the hippie wave. The one that documentary is about is, um, I think it's, it's called TST, the Satanic Temple. Um, they were founded in this, uh, in this uh, 20, the 21st century. And it's almost like a new wave of hmm. Satanism. Okay. But I'm, I'm not even kidding. The way it's very insightful, you will actually, like, I was sitting down and I was like, wow, like, I actually legitimately agree with these people because it's more, uh, it's really political because just, I'm not going to, it comes out on Easter weekend out of all, all the days. It's really funny. Oh, that's it, perfect. It's <laughs> very funny. You get to know these people. But, like, it's also very, like, like, I don't know how to say it, but, like, eye-opening because these people, a lot of them, you'll discover they come from, uh, they come from backgrounds that reject them. So, for example, you'll notice that a lot of the members are LGBTQ because they feel that they've been, you know, they've been rejected by, like, Christianity, etc. Some stuff similar to that. You'll feel that a lot of them are transgender because they feel they're rejected because... They, they're told they can't use the restroom they want. It's, it's it's stuff along those lines, and they feel that when they come together under Satan, out of all things, they can actually, like, be themselves. And again, all these people very, very, like, none of them have committed crimes. None of them, like, none of them, they don't do all, uh, like, like, rituals. Sacrificing or something. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's not about that. And it, it's actually, like, I think everybody... And this is going to sound crazy, but I think everyone could really legitimately learn something, especially in today's political state when watching this movie, because it tackles stuff like, and this should be enough. Like when I say this, you should be like, all right, I'm going to watch it. How come? Because this is an actual uh, situation that the the temple was going uh, under for, and and actually it's, it's a court case that's still ongoing because, you know, the judicial system is kind of like slow. Yeah. Um, why is it that you will have monuments of like the Ten Commandments on political grounds all over the country, like at city halls, etc.? You know, like really typical God is America, like under you know God, America, typical stuff. So these people saw that, and they went on to until like I'm gonna say that, but they pitched. I think it was a city in Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this is going on in Texas. It's one of those states. I can't remember 18 movies, but if you can have a monument to the Ten Commandments, why can you not have a monument to Bathomet? And Bathomet is basically like the the name of like the figure of like the man with the goat head. With like yeah. the, with the, it's probably in Hereditary or something. Yeah, yeah like uh, basically like your 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 image of Satan, because the United States we like to think is a Christian country, but it's not because of separation of church and state. But yeah, you know, in today's in today's age that's so blurred and it's so annoying. I'm sorry, I don't want to get political, but you know No, please please do. <laughs> but you know, God is American, blah blah blah. We, we don't God, hold we back here. To, uh it's very like because even though like I'm I'm Catholic, but it's so annoying seeing that I um today's politicians enforce 
their their beliefs and beliefs that I share into other people who like yeah, I don't I don't even like know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the main message of this movie about Satan. And like, who would have thought that out of all the movies, out of all the documentaries, that you'll be understanding the basic fundamentals of government, that you shouldn't be enforcing a major religion in this country, it'll be a one about about Lucifer. <laughs> I'm like I said, very insightful, eye-opening. It's actually it's again very funny, but I think also very like very important because not only because of the politics, but these people are genuinely like misunderstood. Yeah, and they're, they're genuinely good and they're painted under like different lights just because just because of the word Satan. And like you'll learn that a lot of them they don't really like even like believe in like Satan himself. It's just the ultimate uh, symbol of rebellion. Because like well, isn't, it, isn't it like like worshiping yourself? Almost in a way, because like out of all the countries in the world, what is like the most what is the one image that will scream ultimate rebel? Of course it's gonna be Lucifer. <laughs> yeah, you, like you know when against God. The current political system that loves God is like so I'm just saying it's very uh it comes out Easter weekend and like oh I oh they said they got a theatrical release. So if you can see it, tell your friends, let's go watch Hail Satan. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> let's all watch it. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, I mean, I'm like lots Catholic, so I mean. Also, female uh, director. Know. So who? Come on, representation. Come on, guys. Hell yeah! Yeah, but it's uh, this went to some interesting places. With, uh, yeah, th- thank you, with Satan. <laughs> Satan <laughs> makes sense. It, it's really funny because, like, I don't want to talk about because they talk about how, like, in the Bible, Lucifer appears in certain moments. So, like, the you know, the Adam and Eve, the apple. It, it's really funny because, like, I don't want to. I'm not an expert, like, on the Bible, but you, you know those stories. I mean, when Satan appears in very specific moments, so like Adam and Eve and the apple, and uh, when Jesus was in the desert, Satan mm-hmm. came out and like didn't he tempt him with yeah. like, yeah, with, like, yeah, right. And uh, when I don't know the name, what was that? A guy was going to kill his son on the mountain. Uh, uh eight, no, uh, Abraham. Yeah, yeah, I went to like Catholic school, so yeah. And Man. Satan comes out and he's like, don't do it. And then it's like, I must do it because God, like, <laughs> these people are like, don't, he's, Satan is painted as being so negative. Like, what if in those moments, <laughs> he was, he was like, genuinely like, trying to be like, what are you doing? So like, when he's about to kill his son, Satan's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, that's your son, don't <laughs> kill him. Like, when he's offering uh, uh, the apple, he's like, dude, are you hungry? Here, take this apple. <laughs> or like, uh, or it's like Jesus, you're in the desert. Would you like something so you're not gonna die? Right, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was the most hilarious thing right. I had heard, heard probably all week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to check that out. That that sounds like a really great. Yeah, time. I I, I want to see it for sure. Yeah, so I, I really does ho- do hope we we hear more about a theatrical release soon. Um, speaking of theatrical and Sundance. Andrew, you got to check out Velvet Buzzsaw on the big screen. I watched it at home on Netflix. Gene did not watch it like he was I, supposed to, and that's okay. Yeah, I did not get it. No, no, it's all right. It's all right. Um, I actually don't know your thoughts on it. I already tweeted mine out, so Andrew, go. We'll, we'll move on to the, the Oscar section in a little bit, but I would like to hear your thoughts on Velvet Buzzsaw. This movie could have been like one of my favorites of the years. 
of the year so far. But it kind of like it really does feel like Dan Gilbright thought that he was onto something that was like so so much more. But it kind of doesn't deliver because like are we talking spoilers or no? Uh, no spoilers for Gene, but mm-hmm. I think it's okay to to like say why the movie doesn't land because yeah, I mean okay. I this, this is this is one of those movies where from like the opening ten minutes it telegraphs this is what we're about, and then the rest of the movie is just repeating that over and over again. Yeah, and you know what? Some of it I thought was like funny. Like this is this is funny. I know you've told me this before, but this is kind of this is kind of dumb. I like it, but. I saw someone on Twitter, I forgot who, say that this was this is like Final Destination, only set in like the art world. And it kind of, <laughs> it, and it kind of is. But I think what puts Final Destination over it is that like they learn how to like it's not just people just dying, you know? Like people like the, the main characters they catch on, they they learn how to cheat death. They know how to play games around with death. Death almost becomes like a character that you feel. And this was trying to do that, but it just doesn't. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not saying and I'm not saying that, oh, this movie should have been Final Destination, but like it was already kind of going in a similar route that borrowing a few more things from that series wouldn't have like hurt. Like it would have helped because the movie just kind of ends here and like, okay. Like, I guess, like <laughs> <laughs> I guess I just sat down and I just saw this. And there's a lot of, yeah, like you said, there's like a lot of filler. There's like a certain character that like doesn't need to be in the movie at all. Is that, uh, what's her name from Stranger Things? Who? Uh, um, Coco. Coco, the... No, the no, 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 it's not her, yeah. it's not her. Yeah, there's no, this, she, she's great. No. She, she has yeah, she's the funny. funniest she's funny. running gag in the entire movie. <laughs> no, yeah, she's fantastic. But, yeah, there, yeah there's a, I'm not going to say who, but like, he just kind of served like no purpose. <laughs> and but there's parts where he's generally really funny, but at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, he kind of could have been like not in the movie, huh? Because like nothing changed. Like, I'm, literally, I'm actually curious about who you're talking about now because yeah, you I, could say because now I need to know the context. Well, can I say it? Yeah, no? you can say the person. Well, the, well like John Hukovich. Hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, like I said, there's scenes that are very funny with him, and he's a great actor, and he he legitimately made me laugh a lot. But like at the end of the day, I was like, he's not like involved in the plot. He like disappears for like thirty minutes, or like more than thirty minutes, I think. And like, I, I, was, I don't know. I was gonna say, he, he comes. He's like the predator dog. No, no, the the, the predator dogs are <laughs> disappears are, are worse. Does he disappear out of the movie? Yeah, because John Malkovich is still John Malkovich, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's he's entertaining. Being John, I got, he's I got, being I John Malkovich, issues, yeah. I got he's issues with the John dogs, Malkovich. too. But, but for this movie, yeah, it's like Dan Gilroy thought he was doing, like, a Manhunter-level, like, metatextual story about mm-hmm. our relationship to, like, images and sound and projections. and uh, But he's really doing Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? It could have uh, been. It could have been. There was so much potential. Watching the movie, I was like, this is great. Yeah, there's goes, moments where it I just it like more. it seems. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I didn't hate it, but I I, I was a little disappointed. Uh, I I'd actually watch it again. Like it's a perfect like 
middle ground Netflix movie for me. Like I, I'm surprised yeah. at people saying it's like the worst movie of the year. It's like, no, no, no it's not. No, um, it's not really right. really, it's not even the worst Netflix movie, probably. No, no way. No way. Yeah, <laughs> no no way. Nope. But this does feel like that common Netflix problem. Uh thankfully not so much anymore, but for a while I was like, man, was this the first draft? Cause it Overfield, really paradox. feels like it. No, no that that one had its own set of problems. Okay. But this one feels like a first draft that they turn into a yes. shooting draft in like a week. Yep. Because you give this to anyone, like to any script doctor, and they'll be like, okay, so-and-so out of the movie, so-and-so, actually, maybe they shouldn't leave this early. So-and-so, maybe they actually should have left sooner. There's so many things that, like, they could have just been easily, like, fixed, like, in another draft. Yeah, like... All the ideas are there. Like, I'm cool with, like, taking the piss out of, like, the really pretentious uh, critics. You know, like, there's this great moment with John Malkovich's character when he's welcoming this other dude into oh, his yeah, house. Yeah, and yeah. he's like, oh, my God, what is this? And he's like, that's the garbage. And it's like, that, the idea is there. The joke is funny. But because they do nothing with it, yeah. it's just, it just sits there. And it's like, oh, so you're just kind of, like, flippant towards all criticism. Mm-hmm. You know? It, it's yeah, never as, like, on its own ass, like, like Birdman or anything like that. Oh, God. But, oh, yeah. um... It, it, uh, it's very one-dimensional. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a dude who who told like a, a funny joke. You're like, yeah, that was funny. And then they're like, hey, remember that time I told that joke that was really funny? He's like, yeah, you just told me. And yeah. they keep bringing it up <laughs> at, at dinner, and you're like, uh, yeah, it, it's not so funny anymore. But you thankfully, still like the personality, yeah. so it's okay. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, thankfully, like Jake Gyllenhaal and like the rest of the cast, they really carry this movie because if they're not as like eccentric as they are. Like Tony Collette, uh, like even John Malkovich, even though he doesn't need to be there, he's pretty good. Like you're just not interested. It's, you only want to see it because it's these people, and they're doing things that are like that you've never seen them do. And I think that's the that's personally my main appeal to this movie because I've never seen like a lot of these actors that I like do such like bizarre roles. But I think it needs to be more than that. That's yeah. gonna get me to see the movie, but it's gonna. Can we like love it? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, it, it could have been a, a great like kickoff to horror in 2019. Instead, it's 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 okay. It's okay. Um, the the immortalized moment of Jake Gyllenhaal telling an artist that he's completely like done with his work on Twitter already. Spectacular. Like the movie was written to be nothing but like insertable memes into conversation online. Yeah, it's meme material. It's meme yeah. material. The movie. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, not, I need not, to see this movie now. Uh, you, I would still recommend it to people who have Netflix. It's not something yeah. I would, I would recommend going out of your way to see. But if if you got the spare afternoon or something, hey, I'll turn on Velvet Buzzsaw, see what that's about, and then yeah, you'll, okay. you'll be I'll like, do, why didn't? And then you'll just be confused, like why didn't anything like come together? And mm. it's not even like angry enough to be like a fun cynical exercise because none of the kills are very exciting. Uh, uh, there's like, one. There's, there's one, one, but they give it away in the trailer. So if if you yeah. haven't seen the trailer, don't don't watch it. Yeah. Because uh, there's one good kill, and it everyone's been, mostly unlikable uh, except for one character, which is fine. Uh, but they don't no, do anything. Yeah. They don't do anything. Maybe I'll get like likable character. Yeah. Maybe I'll get I'll get like drunk and watch it or something. <laughs> yeah, you might have a better time because it is genuinely funny. Cast is good. Um. I'm surprised it was shot by uh, oh fuck what's his name I, I thought I had it down oh it's gonna kill me he he shot everything Dan Gilroy shot he shot two Mission Impossible movies 
yada yada. Oh, he's really? A, yeah, he's a really great cinematographer, but this is like so flat and Netflix looking, and it's that's too bad. Okay, okay, well, here's the thing. Work. I saw it on the big screen, and even then, some of these Netflix movies like Roma or or like maybe like Okja. You watch it in the theater, and you wouldn't be like, "Oh, this is this is going to streaming, huh?" No, 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 no. It feels like a movie. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I saw this on the big screen, on the big screen, and even then, I was like, "This kind of has that. It kind of has that Netflix or that streaming vibe to it. Like the, I don't know if it's like the like what you said. It's flat. Like nothing for a movie pops. that it's about, like art." The art doesn't always pop out. <laughs> like the yeah. colors. Even when some of the paintings literally come alive. That's not a spoiler because that's what the movie's about. But yeah. uh, like, God, it could have it could have looked so striking. So you, you know, could have done so much. Yeah, like, ah, oh, man, that's too bad. It, it's too bad. It, it's not the shit. But oh well, it, oh. it happens. You know, there's yeah, more movies on Netflix coming out. Yeah, I still I still recommend it, Gene, because I. You know, I'm, I'm shitting on it, but I'm like, eh, I liked it. It's fine. I'll move on with my life now to talk about the Oscars because yeah. we should talk about why those yeah. those award shows are not worth watching, uh, <laughs> uh, especially this year. Because I'm, I'm an actually, audible groan. I, I'm actually uh, pro award shows. I know that might be like weird. Uh, maybe I'm just a capitalist drone. I don't know that. That's I have something I got to work out myself. <laughs> but I do think that highlighting awards in the, the art community and like highlighting voices and, and people mm-hmm. uh, even though the awards are like objectively money like built by money grubbing people you know and like yeah. like it's basically just where the money goes where the popularity goes mm-hmm. which is also why the popularity oscar that got killed was always a terrible idea because it's, it's already kind of that uh, yeah. the award shows yeah but i i think using these awards not just the Oscars, but any film awards at the end of the year and beginning of the new year are a good way to to spread voices and art that people are drawn to. You know, not everything gets the recognition that it should, so it's up to us to highlight those voices as well. Right. But um, the fact that the Academy has been so consistently shitting itself on the dick, uh, they've like been really just like incessantly, just like every decision the they've foot. made, yeah, just... every decision they've made is just the yeah. opposite of good. They're like the Donald Trump of movie awards this year. <laughs> and it's yeah, just it's remarkable. Constant, yeah, it's constant foot shooting. Yeah. A lot of it, it's just like, it's just so hard to believe because like last year was like the year, you know, like Roger Dinkins, Shape of Water, Guillermo Toro, Jordan Peele. Like, it felt like, yeah, this is it, guys. Like, we finally did it. We got, we got weird science fiction romance. Uh, we got a horror movie winning on a screenplay award. Yeah, we got the. Well, I was going to say you had the Times Up movement as well, very prominent. Um, and then, then it goes to this. It's like it almost feels like it's not the same person driving the behind the wheel. Yeah, know? well, it's like it's a step backwards. Like, yeah, yeah. This is this is like forward. this is a leap backwards. This is yeah. like a nosedive backwards. <laughs> and it's like yeah. you know, there, there's there's some good things in there. Um, Quaron getting another uh, nomination, probably a win, at least for either cinematography, director, or best picture. Um, I, I do like Stars Born a lot. I, I, I know there's Black Panther. That's, that's kind of like the La La Land of this year. Black Panther getting in there. Uh, yeah, Ryan Coogler didn't get a director nomination, though, huh? 
No, no, no which is shocking because you know, a, a, Brad- like okay, Bradley Cooper had a, a comment where he said he was kind of disappointed at first when he didn't get nominated for best director, and people criticize him because he's a white man, and I, I totally am on board with those complaints towards him, but I also, under- I also understand when everything else that was contributed to the movies getting nominations and recognized, I could understand being bummed that your work as the director in charge of the film is not getting recognized. Yeah. I mean, that's, and you know, I, I, mean, I get that. Yeah. There, there's like way bigger problems with the Oscars this year, but right. like, he, I, I he was legitimately spot. said, I felt kind of, well, yeah. it's like, yeah, like he did, he certainly did a very well, well, he made a well-crafted film. So yeah. his first movie and it's not terrible. Good for it's him. Good. It's good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, one thing, yeah. Yeah, like one thing that I feel like always kind of flip flops, which each season is like how much they really go into like Oscar bait. Mm. So like you could say, "Oh yeah, so I'm not gonna name names because that's gonna start some whole other conversation." <laughs> Gary Oldman, I'm just going to say Gary Oldman. So and so only got the nomination because he's an actual historical figure. He's under a lot of makeup. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that to this. Christian Bale. It's not to Christian Bale because I think the Christian other Bale, guy in makeup. In the movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Christian Bale did a really good job. I'm, yeah. I'm all for that. But, he played Satan himself. <laughs> uh, you're like, okay, I can see why the Academy would be really attracted to nominating uh, Remy Malik for playing the, the iconic figure that is Freddie Mercury, but at the same time, Anyone who saw that movie who's not like a blind shill <laughs> knows that they're watching an ass movie. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not just saying this because I don't like Brian Singer or whatever, but that movie is genuinely not good and it fails as like a decent, like, biopic for any for like, you can take the movie, can structure. And, and make it a different band, a different any other band, and it yeah. was still you could okay, you could have done any other any other band that was at Live Aid because that was the main conflict of the movie. Yeah, going to make oh, it to I, Live Aid. I, yeah, but what I'm trying to say is that that way Bohemian Rhapsody is built. Change the band, change the celebrities, whatever you would do. It's still not going to work because it's built like shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like the fact that what is didn't it get Best Picture? Like, oh, like it's. It's it's clownery at its finest because, and it's not even like div- in my opinion, it's not even like whoa, two each his own. I can see that for something like Vice, where like and that has people turning heads. I understand you know, like that movie's not for you. I totally get it. Well, hey, I'm saying that movie's shit. You like that movie? <laughs> what is wrong with you? In my opinion, no, no. You know what? I get if someone likes the movie, if it's the first movie they've ever seen in their life. Like I, I that's that's when I understand. maybe yeah. Well, if you're four. Or yeah, you know, if you if you didn't know movies existed, you're like, whoa, they can put pictures and sound together like that. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting! But you know, the fact that it's an Academy Award nominated movie is just fucking stupid. I guess that's it. It's it's just idiotic. Um, even yeah, if there was a even, way, yeah. even if there's a way to like disregard the Brian Singer shit, yeah, exactly. Which which you shouldn't mm-hmm. even have to do. No. He's the credited yeah. director, you know. And he's got a nice back end after all the box office money and awards money. Um, so fuck that. But yeah. there, there's there's just nothing to them. Like down the scene construction, the blocking, the clear fact that they didn't get the coverage they needed. So they had to like 
butcher this thing further in the editing to like get something borderline watchable. And I, I'd still argue it's not watchable at all. Diego, yeah. why, why, why is it that in Bohemian Rhapsody it takes one person ten edits to sit down in a chair? Because <laughs> they didn't have coverage. Like you know what? Like I was talking to Gene about this before it's the show. Ten. I'm not even kidding. It's ten. To sit in the chair, it's ten cuts. I, I can't That's even the blame the, the oh editors. My God. I can't even yeah. blame the editors because if they didn't have the footage, because their director is a fucking creep and bad at his job <laughs> and doesn't show up on set, then they don't have stuff to cut together and they have to yeah. like use duct tape and scotch, you know. So I mean, I, it's, editor, I've you know, I've been there. Yeah, like if I was the editor on this movie, I would have just killed myself. <laughs> like, what do you even do? You know, All like right, John Upman. Yeah, maybe John Altman's an ass too. I don't know. I'm just. I don't know. I did not expect to go into this award season ending up hating like Rami Malek too, which is too bad because I thought he was a. Ta- he's a oh, I think he's a okay, talented look. actor. Yeah, but no, here's it. I got a story, my boys. I got a oh story. God. Oh God. Am I allowed to air say, this? <laughs> yes. Where I work, I'm not going to say where I work, but I work in a place where I get a lot of customers, and I, I know where he works. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all, no, tell him if you go on my Twitter. Yeah, you, you, you'll know where I work if you know me or you go on my Twitter, but okay. uh, I'm not going to say it on here. I meet a lot of people. There is a customer that I see almost every single week, multiple times a week. She is a member of the Academy, very down to earth. You will never, she's, you would have never guessed she's a part of the Academy, right? Because she comes in really chill, casual, down to earth. It wasn't until she told me, I was like, what? That's so crazy. Every week she gives me an update. She's trying to pitch a script. Great person, regardless. She worked on an interview and this was last year in the second half. So it's still very close where she tells me all the tea she can tell me. And she goes, one day she saw me say, Andrew, she was literally, I've known her for years since I've worked at that job. She came up to me. She's like, Andrew, you would have never guessed what just happened to me. Like the other day, I was like, what happened? It's like, I was working on an interview with Rami Malik and I was on the, I was on the set and he dead ass flicked, his microphone at one of the like cameramen. I was like, what? And he goes, he was on like, like he's sitting like it was like like the setup. Imagine like typical like interview. There's like the the tall chairs. There's yeah. a camera on one side, right? Uh, I guess he, he was having a bad day because she said he wasn't very like reactive throughout the whole interview, and he just seemed really down. So I understand sometimes we have our bad days. If you're a celebrity, you know, sure. etc. There's different tolls on your life. I yeah, understand yeah, of you can have you can have a bad day, but what you, she said, he got his mic. It was it was like a small mic, and he said, uh, "Be here," and he flicked it in the direction of like one of the crew, and he walked off when it was over. Now I'm not saying again. I'm not saying don't be like on the Waffle Podcast. So and so said that Rainy Man like throws things. Like no, no, no. <laughs> I said. He flicked. Now that he threw, this is not like Christian Bale, Terminator uh, <laughs> Salvation. He flicked his thing in the direction of a crew member. Jeez. I don't care if he threw it or he flicked it. That's that sounds rude as hell. That's very and unprofessional. He said yeah. he literally said, and I trust this person. This customer would not lie to me. I've known her for years. Uh, she tells me everything about like the screenplay she's writing that she's trying to do. She he said, does it look like? I want to be here, and he flicked his thing. So when he that, and she said that his image was like ruined after that. Like he's like thinks he's like a douche now because I was so unprofessional. When he walked off, the whole crew, she said they were like all stunned. 
like their mouths drop. Like, did he really like just walk off like a diva for like no reason? And apparently the interview went fine, but you would never know unless you were there. Oh, wow. Jeez. So what I'm trying to say is that, I don't know, Brian Singer, uh, him, def- him, him not like him kind of defending him in a way. He's not really like complicit. Not, it's weird. He's like in the middle. And even then the middle is not good enough. You, you need to be on one side. Right. He shouldn't. Yeah. He's basically complicit in, you know, being, yeah, okay with, him yeah. being complicit. And then me knowing that he's kind of, he could be like a dick to people on set. I don't want to know. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't like that guy. That's, that's all I have to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, every everyone who's like who was silent up until because when the allegations resurfaced because of the Esquire piece through way of the Atlantic, uh, that's when people started finally speaking up about it. Like producers were like, "Well, you know, he wasn't really part of the thing. He directed like ninety percent of the movie on set, like on on the the on the set job." That was quote unquote Brian Singer because he wasn't also really there because he, he's just bad at his job in general, right? Yeah, he doesn't show up. He's yeah, intoxicated. People, people didn't want to. Um, they didn't want to take away from their shining moment. You know, obviously Queen's been trying to like suck their memory dry of Freddie Mercury for like an extra buck for like years now, and so it's really gross. Like Brian May, like up till a couple weeks ago, he was thanking Brian Singer on Twitter, and then now today he was like, "Well, you know, he wasn't really directing." You know, <laughs> uh, after like. Only, sorry. Fuck yeah. Brian May. Yeah, well, he's cussed people out on, like, Instagram. Yeah, fuck criticism. off, Brian May. Yeah. The only members of Queen are Freddie Mercury and John Deacon. There we go. Or you don't uh, know, John Deacon had, had nothing to do with Bohemian Rhapsody. He had nothing to do with this movie. He's still good. He's still good, guys. All right. I'll bet. There you go. I, I feel a little better now. Uh, but yeah. I, I don't want to end this episode on a negative note. Yeah. I mean, what What do you guys think the Academy could do? Let's take a minute each. Uh, what do you think the Academy could do to, to do better? Uh, apart from like kicking out the fucking old people that are clearly fucking shit up still. Yeah. And exactly. everyone who's complicit and shit like Brian Singer. Because uh, I, I, I do believe that one day this could be turned around. But until then, we have to like stop watching this. Like I will not be watching this. I'm probably going to be live tweeting Spider-Man 3 because I've been meaning to do that for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, actually, that really quick. What were you guys been doing Oscar night, and <laughs> what could they do for future shows to avoid this train wreck? Yeah, I, I, I am not going to watch it. I'm very, uh, I'm very hurt that you know, ob- you know, obviously the nominations just you know made me not want to watch it. But the adage just kicking the gut was um, them getting rid of cinematography and editing and you know i have so many friends and myself that are involved and in and hair and makeup hair and makeup well, excuse like me, fucking yes. bullshit yeah. the things that make a movie a movie and they're not airing those awards yeah exactly that's right. bullshit um i'm i don't know i'll i'll watch some of my some uh, some of my screeners again i'll rewatch the spirit awards that i voted in yay um but i yeah not gonna watch it i'll do whatever um I think that they need to make it, you know, this is, this is, uh, I don't know if this is an odd suggestion, but like something to make it more relevant because, uh, it's, it's, it feels like it's too much on like the pop and the circumstance and it's not about the actual movies and the craft of movie making and like, okay, people say, Oh, you know, no one's interested in, but okay, guys, just like, if I'm crazy by saying this, just tell me, but like the MTV movie awards, a lot of kids watch that and like a lot of young people watch that. And like, it, 
it feels like that highlights it sometimes more than the, the actual Oscars, you know? <laughs> yeah, because they do, like, stunt awards. I mean, yeah, they do stunt awards. I mean, you know, obviously stuff like it's like, you know, uh, you know, sometimes best it's kiss. not like the, the best. <laughs> yeah, best kiss. It's not, it's not the best sometimes, but it's at least engaging and it makes young people like, like myself care about like the art of movie making and it makes it somewhat engaging. Like just something that like shows you what makes movies so awesome, makes movies so un- such a unique art form and such a you know, a one of its kind craft. And I feel like sometimes the uh, MTV movie awards do that more than the Oscars where it's just about what are they wearing? What is the dress? Who is the actress that's presenting? It's like, well, I mean, that's cool. But it's not about that. It's about like, you know, yeah, I want, I want to say that I think the, the fashion element, I think that has its place there too. Okay. But I, I, and I also don't think yeah. that's even like the root of this current problem, but do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I got what you're saying. Yeah. I guess that's my main critique. Just make it, just make people care. What about you, Andrew? What will you be doing Oscar night? What, what do you think they could do to fix this if they're around in five years? Because people like really hate them right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I would recommend doing is that this is inspired because I'm a big fan of David Lynch. And I only just yeah. recently saw Wild at Heart for like the first time. And I was just like, every time I see something new of his that I've never seen before, I'm just like, I go into like a whole loop. So, if you have a favorite uh, director, writer, any artist that you really, really like, and you haven't seen something specifically from their work that you've been meeting to do, watch it. Because, watch it on that night specifically, you have time to kill, because you, it's just always good to, like, see as much as possible. Because you never know, because you might discover something new that you didn't know about that person before. Now, what do I think? Uh, it's, it's very tricky, because every year... The, I feel like for like the past five years that I've been watching the Oscars, every year there's always the the day the day after the event. It's like ratings really low, lower than last year. The ratings, the ratings, the ratings. And I feel as if like, do the ratings like actually matter? Because this is this is not like it's just once a year. It's not like a multi like three times a year. It's just one thing once a year. And you already know your ratings aren't getting that high. So what what makes you think that doing all these things is going to attract more people? Because I feel like, like, like what Gene said, um, the awards are specifically, they're very branded and they're for a crowd. So what's wrong with giving that crowd what they want mm-hmm. and what you're supposed to give them instead of appealing to not the crowd, if that makes any sense. Like, why are you going to appeal to people who don't watch movies to watch the Oscars? They're not going to watch the Oscars. They don't watch movies. It's like, why are you going to appeal to people who don't listen to a lot of modern music to watch the Grammys? Are you going to change the Grammys? Like, no, watch it, because they literally do not listen to the music. They're not, like, then that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. People that, I don't understand why they try to wrap their heads, like, we need to get, we need to boost the ratings to get new people to watch this. Like, why? It's like, what? They don't even care. Your, like I don't yeah, know. Focus on your like core base, I guess. Your core. Like, yeah, focus on your core base and try to like. If you're if you're really worried about people not watching uh, your program, then the I you would think that the thing your first choice of action were to, were to be to focus on your core base to make sure they're still keeping you afloat, and then maybe then you could do uh, make other decisions to get new people to come in. But seeming like 
doing the opposite and focusing on others and the people that are lifting you up. Yeah, you alienated everyone with that cinematography and, you know, erasing all those other uh, categories. Those are literally the people who go to the event, the people (laughs) who, who have parties, like, who, when have you ever heard of people that, because Oscar parties are pretty popular. Do you hear, like, people, the only people who host these parties are people that watch movies. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're not gonna make an Oscar party, like, a new phenomenon from, like, all these, like, young people or, like, etc. Or maybe, if you want to get new viewers because you're so worried about ratings, then maybe you shouldn't be so anal what movies you nominate, uh, and maybe you should nominate stuff. I'm not saying pity nominations, but maybe you should have a more open mind and nominate stuff. And I don't want to sound because like there's very two, there's a very left side and a very right side to this argument. Yeah. It's like nominate people, nominate films that people watch. Like I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a thing too, because independent film, even though sometimes it doesn't bring in a crowd deserves recognition. And sometimes mm-hmm. there could be some really great stuff, but also at the same time, maybe people gravitate a lot to certain movies because they're good <laughs> maybe maybe people like me it's like and again i thought it was a turning point people saw get out people saw mad max Fury road uh i don't know if people saw like people saw avatar i guess the highest grossing move of all time and the academy looked at avatar when it did that it's like why yeah. don't you and like there was this debate with well, black panthers like well, you probably should because I think a lot of people genuinely not only saw this movie multiple times, but they did it because they actually liked it. So I don't know. Maybe you should have a, a more open mind on what to nominate. Mm-hmm. Don't be so snobby. Yeah. And like, just don't worry about. I don't know. It's always the, the because this is only happening is ratings, ratings, etc. And again, I don't understand like why it's such a trip. It's one night a year. People are still going to get money. Mm-hmm. People are, are still going to watch it. You know. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. it's very it's very confusing. I I do agree with yeah. uh I do agree with you guys. I feel like in a few years we we're, we're gonna get back on track, mm-hmm. but I don't see it being next year. No, me neither. And oh I, God, it's uh maybe it gets worse. Who knows, God? And I could be hopeful for in two years, but again, it's just so heartbreaking because I genuinely want to see stuff like Black Panther. Yeah, uh, a, a, star, a Star is Born, mm-hmm. Roma, uh, and other, I can't think That's of fine. Like, in other movies to get, like, their, like, their time to shine. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to do that if, like, you're, if you're not even putting it on TV. Like, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess for me then, really quick, as we, as we wind down the episode. Yes. Yeah. We're out of time. Um, get, work on getting a host early. Work on someone who could be a crowd pleaser, but also that's, cut cut the bits. No one cares about the bits. That's fine. If if you can't get a host who could tell jokes, just have him be charming. You know, just not Kevin Hart, please. Uh, not Kevin Hart. Also, uh, he cheated on his pregnant wife. I just feel like we should be remembering that, among many other reasons, <laughs> and his homophobic jokes. Yes, he's clearly not a great dude. Okay, don't 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 get married to that idea. It's so weird that that was the hill they died on this year. Like we can't Kevin Hart. We don't know who to get. Like really, holy like, fuck. Oh, um, yeah. But also. Yeah, cut cut the bits. There's like the big complaint was like they don't know how to figure out how to sort out time for all the nominations and the, and the the winners on the announcements on live television. Cut the bits. I guarantee you, you'll have time. That oh, you don't yeah. have to cut Perfect. anything. You cut a single award, you're telling that that demographic of the industry to go fuck themselves. So go fuck yourself and avoid that problem for the future. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'll be watching 
Sam Raimi's criminally underappreciated, albeit flawed, Spider-Man three on, yeah. on Oscar night. I, I'd rather I'd rather see Sam Raimi's Crime Wave than the Oscars. <laughs> I haven't seen that. Is it, is it bad? Uh, it's he doesn't really care for it. It's a deep oh, cut, Diego. Okay, cut. all right. I'll, maybe I'll check that out too. I'll do a double feature. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you for yes. your insight in the Sundance. And yeah, thank you, Andrew. Yes, absolutely. Now, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Yokis101, Y-O-K-I-S-101. And for a lot of these other movies, that I obviously I'm not going to be able to talk about some of the other films out of the 18 that I saw. But I did get a chance to write more extensive review, uh, reviews and to give more thoughts and some of the other stuff. Because I felt like this was a really good year. And hopefully, if all goes well, a lot of these films get picked up because it's so, so tragic when something really good makes an impression at a festival and just like no one picks it up. Like, we're only barely getting Brie Larson's like directo debut. Oh, yeah. That's so, like, shitty. if all goes well, fingers crossed, you guys will be seeing these movies a lot soon. But please check out my Twitter. I have my reviews linked there. All right, thank you so much. Gene, thank yeah. you for joining me again. Where can people find you? Uh, Gene9892. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram is my handle. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter.com at D-E-W-G-O-Waffles. Check out the rest of the Waffle Press. Like and subscribe if you enjoyed this podcast. If you didn't like, like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. So check out the Patreon. Support us on there. Check out the other retrospectives. Check out the other shows. Let's talk all monsters. Let's talk about movies. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We have been professionally unprofessional. Professional.